let's finish it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ay, coming in, yeah. Flex, I just wanna win. Yeah, LA BB, who we running with? Yeah, two, two, three, three. I'm on ten again. Yeah, state your name. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of The Closing Pitch. My name is Spiker Helms, and this is a show about people, culture, and how to create a winning lifestyle. Coming off the solo episode, I actually ran into my podcasting host. I was like, oh, hey, do you want to do a episode? And he said, no, I don't. And now we're here we are. He's making me try to feel bad, but I don't <laughs> because I was busy. And sometimes you just got to take one for the team. Did you find your dog? I did, yes. So, it wasn't my dog. It was my parents' dog. So the dog ended up chasing after deer? That's yeah, what you said? Yeah. My parents are, are a little bit older, and they have a eight-year-old black lab who still thinks he's two. And he got out the other, last night and saw some deer in the yard, and he was like, friends, I got to go run after you. Play. <laughs> and obviously, they're like not having it and run away from him. And then all of a sudden, he's kind of lost back in the woods, and then people find him. Long story short, got to go get him from animal, animal rescue. So. Yep. He's all that, good. Uh, so that was just a side note. That's actually not why he missed the podcast, but <laughs> I just wanted to make it seem like he missed the podcast because of a dog. Just making me feel bad. It's okay. But uh, you want to jump into the topic today? Yeah. So I was scrolling through, um, obviously I scroll through TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, because I handle most of our um, social media handles and I get I, I see questions that are very interesting, mm -hmm. and then I also um, get comments on, obviously, like TikTok for me. Um, there's a lot of baseball players that end up commenting um, just because they know my past and they mm -hmm. want to know kind of the ins and outs. And I thought it was a good idea, and, a, and you had the idea, but it kind of just triggered something in my head with social media is about goals and getting to the spot that you want to be in because there's a lot of a lot of what ifs and you meet with players constantly mm -hmm. i wanted to dive into that topic so here's how i would label this this whole conversation we're about to have it is how do you get to where you want to be how does that path look and how do you present it to yourself and how can you actually make it seem like it there's a process to it that there's a routine to it so i have had countless 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 meetings with players parents i had one last night on this exact topic and that's what triggered it for me on okay you know i'm a, I'm a kid in high school or i'm a coach or i'm a youth player or whatever it may be or i'm in business right i'm trying to do something cool i'm trying to get forward in my life how do i do it okay and i always start with these three things you have to at all times have a short-term goal a middle-term goal and a long-term goal and here's what i mean by that the short term is something that is actionable in the next week to a month something in the present something that you are immediately focused on right now the second one we can jump into all these when i get through it the second one the middle-term goal is something that you can achieve or look forward to in the next half year, okay? Something that as those months build up, you can see some tangible results, okay? So you're working towards achieving that because you can't just jump to the long-term goal because a lot of people just want to get there. But in baseball, in business, in anything, it's a lot slower than people think, right? The long-term goal 
is that two to three year goal down the road. Okay. So let me give you a quick example. The player I was talking to last night, high school player, he's a sophomore. He's wondering what, what do I do? How do I go about this process? How do I even build a routine? And so we start around that conversation. I start talking about, okay, what's your long-term goal? What do you want? I asked that question. He was like, oh, be a better pitcher. Um, I guess, you know, do this. I'm like, come on, be a little selfish here. Be selfish. What do you want to do? Where do you want to get? Do you just want to be, do you just want to play well this next summer? Or do you have better goals like be a high-level varsity contributor, beating your rival, getting to state? Do you want to be in college? Do you want to play college baseball? What do you want? And well, The first thing I think they think they go to they go to cliches. They go to things that you want to hear, which is I want to be the best player that I possibly can. I want to make it to Major League Baseball. I want to you, – you fill in the blank of the cliché. And again, if if your goal is Major League Baseball, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's a great idea. But if you're saying a cliche, I think as human nature, we we like to be pleased people, right? Sure. So whenever we get into those conversations, it's always a pleasing answer. You you look for what they want to hear yeah. instead of what you want to say. And really, to be frank, I really I care what you want, right. but I don't care about that answer. Right. I want to see how specific that you've gotten or actually even thought about that because then it'll know it'll tell me where is this playing field at exactly so we get so i finally get him to to be a little speak up be a little bit honest okay i really 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 want to be a high level varsity contributor right now and i was like good because that should be your long-term goal he's a sophomore in high school hasn't played varsity it actually hasn't had a season due to covid but hasn't played varsity yet so that's a two to three year goal away for him maybe Hopefully it comes quicker, but for right now, it's a two-year goal, right? Okay. Then I was like, okay, so now let's go back down to that middle-term goal. What's that, Aaron? What do we got? What, what can you achieve in the next five to six months? He's like, hmm, uh, I, don't, I don't know. And it's like, okay, how about that's this summer, this upcoming summer, or this, this winter, okay? And then we go down to the short-term goal, and I'll go back to that middle-term shortly. But we go back to that short-term goal, and now I'm like, now we're going to get into the daily, weekly, and monthly routines, okay, and what we're doing now and where our immediate focus is. And we started talking about nutrition, daily nutrition, getting in the uh, workout routine, which he has a personal trainer that he's going to go see, and then his pitching side of his game and working out a daily routine of how we're going to get better, okay, introducing you know one long toss a week, one bullpen a week, throwing on the weekends and games, two different days a week where he's working at his craft, et cetera. And then specific action items within those bullpens and within that long toss, et cetera. And same thing, specific action items within the nutrition, same thing within his workout. Okay. And then after that month is over, we're going to reflect. Okay. And we're going to readjust and hopefully we're going to gain and we're going to change. And then we went back to the middle term. So I go, if you do this, okay supposedly the next four or five months and we keep progressing keep progressing what's your middle term goal like how much weight do you want to be able to put on how much strength gains do you want to see what type of pitching abilities do you want to have at that point in time and all of a sudden we we were able to detail that out and then what i told him aaron look at that goal look at that whole perspective that you just had that constantly changes and evolves 
And if you can always stay in the present and always be actively advancing, then that middle-term goal is always actively advancing. And then that long-term goal is always actively advancing. And that's how I tell a lot of players to go about their business because the, the biggest thing that guys don't understand is they're reactionary. They're just going to show up and whatever the coach tells them to do, they're going to do. And then they're going to go home. They're going to be like, I guess I got better and good. And I think I'll play college baseball one day. Or same thing in business. There's a lot of guys who work in, in our club who come into work and they do a great job. Then they go home. I'm probably advance, right? And you see it in business outside of here. You see it in, in life in generalities. It's the guy who always has that plan, that routine, and is pushing forward to advance Is that's really gaining. And I go, when you start to look at it that way, Aaron, you're going to always feel like you're taking that level up, that next step up, that next step up, that next step up, because that's the toughest thing that people, that people feel stagnant. They don't feel like they're ever getting anywhere, like they're stuck in mud, like they're doing the same things over and over and over. And all of a sudden you look up a year from now and you are doing the same thing over and over because you don't have that plan. I'm reading a book by Robert Greene um, called Mastery. And he, in, specifically in this book, he, there's a section in there where he talks about how do you, how does a master become a master? They live in it, in it at an everyday basis. They breathe and live it. That's why I like sports so much because again, your future might not be sports. And a lot of people, a lot of parents will say uh, if their kid is not like, he's not, he's not in this to be a professional or be a college. Like they're like high and mighty, like, Oh, he's not in it for that. I get that. He's totally not in it, but this is a training ground for him to understand what it actually takes to master something. Is he going to be a major league baseball player where he's in, he's going to end up making millions of dollars? No, probably not. I mean, the percentages are against you. Is he going to get a college scholarship? Maybe not. The percentages are pretty against you on that too. But what I love about sports, what you can substitute basketball, baseball, football, you name it, even dance or whatever, whatever the case yep. may be. If you want to master something, you have to live and breathe it. And I think for kids and for players, um, them taking on something, whether that's a, even a foreign language and trying to master that, that's going to set you up for what you are really meant to do. That is applicable anywhere you want to go in any aspect. It truly is. I'll even go down the road. Okay, you're dating. All right. I'll go down the relationship road. If you meet someone for the first time, you're starting to learn small things about them. See if you're, you gel, see if you have commonalities, et cetera. That's your short term. How, you know, what are we going to do in the next month? to build this relationship. Then all of a sudden you start to think about getting a house together. You start to think about renting an apartment or whatever. There's your middle term. You're building that relationship further. Long term would be marriage, right? For, for whatever, for some, right? It's the same thing. Business, same deal. You start off small, you open up a business, then you start to build, then you start to build. And it's just evolving. Just like a relationships evolves into two years, 10 years down the road, you're different. But there's so many people, Spike, that, that don't look forward like that. And I, frankly, personally, I understand it when you're younger. I don't understand it how when you're older. And, and I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not. I truthfully, I'm not saying it's wrong. My brain doesn't work like that because I was. We were having a conversation today. I'm. I'm a weird planner. Like my wife can attest to this. That 
if my day gets messed up because it was, you asked me, do you wake up in the morning and just like think about what you're going to do? And I'm like, well, yeah, like I know exactly what time I have everything going out and I know this and that and that. And when truthfully, when something goes wrong, it frazzles me for a little bit. I'll get over it, but it frazzles me because it didn't go the way that I thought it should have gone. And I've learned over time because I think I was definitely the guy who just reacted, like just showed up and was like, I'm going to work my butt off and I'm going to do a great job. And that's going to get me there. And that is a big factor. It's a huge factor to have work ethic like that. But I also heard it put this way the other day was having that work ethic is great, but also being that self starter, that guy who's going to take that foot forward without someone else telling them to do that. And even if you're wrong, even if you make a mistake, having the ability to continue to take that next step forward and continue to progress and continue to try to take yourself down that path. Cause I could lay out a short term, middle term, long term goal for myself right now. doesn't mean it's right. does not mean it's right. And I can evaluate here in two months and be like, dude, I was way off with what I was thinking there. But at least having that self perspective and that self evaluation to change then that's what life is. It's also, you have to know yourself as well because I'm I'm more of a creative type of mind. I can go analytical. I mean, obviously economics, but the the thing that got me jazzed up about that subject was the creative side, figuring out certain things and seeing what can mix and match and thinking outside the box. For me, writing down goals, it helped, but I always had to journal and get my thoughts out in front of me. And I always thought in imagery. So what Dave's saying, which is the goal, short-term, mid-term, long-term, yes, he's absolutely right, but it might take a different form. It could take a form of you actually just journaling hmm. and you're and you're technically writing in more of a free form where it's not necessarily, oh, this is my mid-term, this is my short-term, this is my long-term. Because when I write, I, if I look back at my writings when I was in high school and college and even in my professional life, it's you can clearly see that oh this was his short term goal this was his midterm goal oh he do, he did see himself doing this into the future so when you when you think about this this is where i get kind of jazzed up about it when i hear podcasts and um, people write about this topic is that they keep it in a solid form which you have to write down on a line short term goals is x midterm goals is y Long-term goals is Z. That's not necessarily the case because you have different types of people who think differently. Well, that's cool because that's definitely not how I think. Mm -hmm. And that's, you're 100% right that there are different ways to go about that. And I don't think the path has to be the whatever I just laid out time frame. Mm -hmm. But maybe it's just mislabeled differently. Maybe where well, you're and, sitting there and, and talking about your thoughts. And, th and this is the thing is that I feel like the goal talk, the goal conversation always is like, it's almost like a homework assignment, right? Like, yeah, oh, well, I have to, I have to do it this way. I, like, don't think about it as a homework assignment. This is, this is your future. This is, you get to, you have a blank canvas of what your future could possibly be. You literally could, you can see everything that you have out in front of you and you literally get to mold and create the world around you in just a matter of an hour or two hours. That's what's exciting about goals. So I'm, I'm going to hundred percent steal that from you. 
because I think that I probably, I just learned something about myself. I think that when I have those meetings, while they're great meetings and the information's right, I think the approach might be wrong. Because I think if I were to ever say it like how you just said it, the mind just goes like that. Like, you, this is audio, but I just said your mind expands, okay? And your mind starts all, you take a different perspective to it. You're now looking at it as, oh, well, I could do that. And I can do this. Rather than I think when you do look at it as a go write this down and do this, it is a homework assignment. No one wants to do that. But what's scary, what I think is scary that a lot of people don't talk about it that way is they're afraid of being let down. They're afraid of failing. They're, the, the fear is over-consuming. And I've, I've noticed this when I, when I speak on it and I see the other side. I'll have some people where their eyes just light up. They're like, oh my gosh, this is like Christmas Day. I've never heard this before. I want to I wanna expand on this. I want to I wanna think about anything that I possibly could do. Then there's the other side of it where they go, oh, this is totally wrong. This is hocus pocus. This is like genie stuff. But think about it. You have the control. Now, if you miss... What's the worst thing that could happen if you miss on your goal or you miss on the thing that you literally scripted out line by line of what you actually want? What's the worst thing that could happen? You know the phrase, you're going to learn more from your mistakes than your successes? You ever heard that? Mm -hmm. That's that's 100% true because I think when you're younger, those mistakes are like magnetized or I'm sorry, uh, magnified. They're just like you're so scared of them. People are scared to make mistakes on the field. You know, like freshmen are dead set afraid of failure. They're afraid of being judged. They're afraid of everything. But a senior who's going on to college, when he strikes out, he's like, whatever, next time I'm going to get him. Same thing as like you're entering your business or whatever. But I think as you, honestly, and this sounds bad, but I think is the more you fail, as long as you're willing to learn from it, the better. The better you get. I mean, I said it last episode where courage comes off of experiences off of the near misses. And this is not a quote from me. This is a quote from one of the authors I love. I have mentioned him before, Malcolm Gladwell. Mm -hmm. When you have a near miss where it ends up killing your ego, but not killing you, your ego is going to come back. It always does. If you get your, if you get your, your ego scarred up, you end up becoming so much stronger and you're able to think way better. And people are so afraid of losing their ego. Like it's going to happen. I failed a million times. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'll probably fail another million times, but it doesn't mean that I'm not going to succeed two million times. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to just learn from it and then I'm going to be that much better. That's a huge goal. That's a huge thing. That's a part of that three-step process I'm talking about. And that's why it's always evaluating. Life is an evaluation process of where you're at, what you're doing currently. Did it work? Did it not? Should I do this in the future? Is you know what what's working? Well, and that comes with mastery. All the great thinkers and all the great people that have accomplished amazing feats, they understand this. They understand that they have to be consumed by what they love and their passion to an extent where it is an addiction. And they try to figure out every single thing because that's where you're going to be the most happy. That's uh, that's where you're going to be the happiest mm-hmm. is in your work and in your passion. Now, when I say in your work, if you are passionate about picking up garbage, 
then that's your passion. You got to figure sure. out how's the what's the best way for me to do that, and how can I do it in the most efficient way. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. That's where I think people are afraid to go all in on something, especially with like a sport. When a parent says, "Oh, he's we don't think he's going to make it to Major League Baseball. Oh, we we're not in this for the college scholarship." That's great. I never I never said that. But what I am in this for is him figuring out or her figuring out how to master this sport because what you're going to learn out of this ma- of this category, you can easily apply to their other passion, their life after the sport. And if they make it to professional baseball or softball or whatever, great. Great. Fantastic. But don't discount them on that. Well, it's, it's, it's discounting all the other valuable things that, that you'd learn doing it. It's the same thing as discounting school because you're never going to use math again. You know, it's and I've said that phrase a million times. I, why am I in algebra? I, I'm never going to use this again. And maybe that might be true, but I might have learned a million things while doing it about how to. We you always know. we always joke about that, like, oh, we're never going to use the Pythagorean theorem. But everything that I learned up into that point on those classes, like, I think about me is I loved algebra. I absolutely loved it. I hated geometry. But what I understood, like looking back on it, the things that my teacher forced me to do, the things that I absolutely hated, the principles of actually studying and getting through that material and fighting through that pain and anguish that my mind was going through where I would just get completely bored, has served me so well in the topics that I absolutely love. And when I get into a barrier point where it's like, oh, man, I don't want to do this. I'm able to get through that. Right. Instead of just stop and quit. And I would argue that algebra, yes, I learned a lot and I was able to apply some certain principles in that um, into my college career. The stuff that I learned in geometry served me way better, 10 times better, because it taught me more life lessons. Uh, And it was harder. It was more more disciplined to do it. And that's all the things we're talking about right here. Mm -hmm. It's having the discipline to stay on the course even when you fail, even when you don't like it. Because there's going to be times in every situation that we've talked about in this in this episode where you're not going to like something. Like it's not all per, like positive. It's not all great. Yep. It's not all fun. I still don't. I still don't get it when someone like when they fit when they get to something that they don't like. They're like, "Oh, I give up. Done. See ya. Peace." <laughs> or even the amount of time that I'm going to put into this. I could be doing this, but in reality, that thing is probably going to teach you something. That's one thing that a lot of people don't think about. We, we said it back We said it back like probably 20 episodes ago. I talked about talking and speaking in front of people or just making calls to people that I don't know. I hated it. I felt it. I didn't want to do it. I could have easily said, nope, I'm not doing it. See you later. And you know what that would have been done? I wouldn't have gotten fired because I still do a lot of other things really well, but I probably wouldn't have advanced. I would have probably been looked at as like, eh, well... He's not going to do that, so I guess we'll just keep him where he's at. Instead, I did it, and now I'm a much better person for it. I have a lot more skills gained from it, and is just doing it and getting it out there. And again, in that, in these three steps we talk about, there's going to be that situation. That situation is going to happen. If you're a player, maybe it's the weight room. You absolutely can't stand putting that work in. It's really hard. It's really hard. You don't like it. You're sore. You're tired. It, you don't want to push yourself there. But all of a sudden, you're going to get into that situation where you do, and then all of a sudden, you become addicted to it. And then all of a sudden, you're 30 pounds heavier. And then all of a sudden, you're 
doing stuff with the bat that you've never done before. And then you're like, oh man, this is crazy cool. This is amazing. Look at what this done for me. Imagine if you would go back to that situation where you're in the weight room for that first or second time and you're like, uh, I don't want to be here. I don't like it. I'm never going to come again. You, you'd never grow. You'd never be any better. Well, that's, that's like in the workplace, like things that there, there's times in, when I get an email and I look at something and I'm like, you know what? I don't want to do that. There's no way I'm doing that. But every single time there's a little voice in my head. And I think everyone has this. Don't do that. You're closing a door. Well, here's a quick question for you. I'm curious how you'd answer this. Would you rather be the guy who has a million good skills or the guy that has a hundred great skills? Repeat that. Would you rather be the guy who has a million good skills or the guy who has a hundred great skills? You know, I battle that a lot. I know that there's some people that will disagree with me on this. Um, a lot of people say you got to be, you got to niche yourself into something and you got to be really good at that niche. So like gain five skills and be excellent at that. But I think when you think that way, yes, it is right. Like if you get really good at something and you're, be- you're the best, you're going to end up excelling over everybody else. But I always think of the opportunity cost of not going down those routes of all the good skills that I could possibly get and then being able to hone in on those five skills. Because so many people X out something and don't play the long term. They play the short term. So when someone says that, you hear it on TikTok and so like yeah. every social media, there's this guru, this enlightened person that comes out of the woodwork and say, five skills are way better yeah. than a thousand skills. Right. It's 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 correct. But understand that if you forego everything else and you say, oh, that's not me, this is who I am, you're foregoing something that you possibly could be missing out on. I would say if you look at 100 successful people, 10 of those are going to be that 100 great skill guys or gals, okay? The other 90 are going to be the million good skills. I think that's a true fact. Here's another way. Of I'm not saying one is wrong. I, I was just curious how you'd answer that because it popped in my head. But Here's another way of thinking about it. A CEO usually has a really, has, knows something about one specific thing really, mm-hmm. really well. But don't mistaken, they are very well versed on everything yeah. else. That's what makes them a CEO. Right. Now, if you want to be a CEO, that's what you have to do. Right. If you're a CFO, you have to be really good at one thing and one thing yeah, only. Yeah. So understand who gets paid more. Right. The CEO, without a doubt. Yeah, of course, right. if you're a CFO, you're going to get paid really well. But that's what I'm saying is the Mike Trout. Here's another example. Mike Trout is so good at so many things. He's really good at hitting. That's his, that's his thing. And then what is Nelson Cruz good at? Exactly. Hitting. Yeah. Who's the better player? Mike Trout. They're both really good. They're what, both they're both happen, studs. What happens if Mike Trout just came up and be like, "Oh, coach, I'm I don't need to learn how to throw harder. I don't need to know how to um, be a better defender. I just hit." You're limiting yourself. Like, yes, be well versed in everything else. Like, yeah, you need to be niched at something where you end up being really good at something, but you still got to be open to the idea of creating other good skills. I just don't get that argument where it's like, oh, nope, these are my five skills that I'm going to be really good at, and that's all I worry about. You just, you better be really, really good at them. There's going to be someone bigger and better than you when it comes to that skill set. I'm, 
here, here's, here's my philosophy on it. And I, my, my dad taught me this when I first got into the professional realm. He said, first thing he told me, make sure that you get into the revenue stream, make sure that you insert yourself. Your skills are inside that revenue stream. We are able to help produce revenue for a business. Got it. Bingo. The second thing he told me was you have to gain skills and keep gaining skills. You can never sit still on that. Once you sit still and you, and you just focus in on what you've been good at, you lose out on everything else. And I've taken that all the way through my work life. Like there, like example, we've, we've talked about this Photoshop video. Yeah. I had no freaking idea how to do any of that. No, nothing. Zero. But when I looked at the business, I looked at what Aaron was doing. He is really good on operations. He's very, very good at it and very good at sales. He's very good at building relationships. Can I be good at that? Yes, I can be really sure. good at it. But what does he need? Right. He needs marketing. Right. He needs to, he needs to get the word out. Email marketing, social media. How do I create the brand around the video to where it's really describing our belief systems and being able to send that out to attract more people into the program so then we're able to service and help them? If I would have just been like, nope, I'm just operations and I'm sales and I just want to train. I just want to be a coach. Just want to be a coach. I love coaching. I love teaching the game. But there's this other thing that he needs that he needs help on. And I find an interest in that. Well, let me, let me give my closing pitch then on that example because I'm going to put that context into how, how this would work into the plan I said. You got into the business. You were working in it. Okay. You saw a need, right? A need that you had no clue what to do. So your short-term goal, you, you saw the long-term goal. You saw the benefits of what video and social and content mm-hmm. creation and everything could be. You saw what it could be for the business, right? At least from an initial standpoint, I bet you'd say it's a different thing now, right? Because it evolves, correct? So you saw that long-term goal because everything's got to start with that. The short-term was just to start going, like literally start putting some time in, learning it, evolving it. And then I bet you, you found that middle-term goal after using it for about a month. You started being like, ah, I could create that project. I could do that project. And that applies here in this business. And that applies here in this area of the business. And man, kids would really like this. And that would that would then make them feel so much cooler about the culture of the Rolling Staggers, et cetera. And then I bet you anything, because I know you and I know how you work, the short, the middle, the long has evolved probably a hundred times mm-hmm. on just that facet of what you do for the Tigers. That is exactly what I'm talking about. That can be applicable anywhere. Well, I'll give you an example is that management and customer service. I struggle with management because I'm a guy that likes to take everything on and want to do everything. So what I've been trying to do is I've been trying to learn more about man- different managerial material style, the managerial styles, <laughs> English. Sound it out. There it is. So I've been talking to my buddy from the Tampa Bay Lightning because he's big into sales. He's part of their sponsorships mm-hmm. and he handles our oh. sales team. And so I wanted to learn more about that. So the goals have actually changed from me doing everything on my own, trying to create content, put it out there, have a storyline and manage four or five different channels. And then 
being able to also work on customer service, teaching, all mm-hmm. of those different categories. That's why I've always called myself a Swiss Army knife. Sure. I'm trying to move away from the Swiss Army knife and really trying to understand, okay, when we do bring in more people that can develop their own content and who can know the different social channels, how do I manage that person? Yeah. That's massively important. So you're absolutely right. Your goals are going to change and you can't you can't live and die by those goals. The best way that I I think about it Dave thinks about it more of a systematic approach, which is both are right. Totally fine. They're both right. If you want to have this more of a storyline, have a free form, create your ideal life, and then understand that it's going to mold and change as time moves forward. And yet you can't, you can't live and die by that story. Was that your closing pitch? I guess that is my closing pitch. You just, you forgot to say it again. That is my closing pitch. (laughs) Well, thanks guys for listening. You didn't give your closing pitch. I just said it right earlier. Yes, I did. What did you, what, 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 what I just said, I put your story into context. I said it right before. Oh. This is my closing pitch. Got it. Bingo. All right. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. Give us a review. Five stars, preferably, on Apple, iTunes, Spotify. Please give us a follow. And if you want to send in your own closing pitch, we use an app called Anchor. That's where you can record your own audio. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. See you guys. So big bags, so big bags coming. Uh huh. Coming in. Yeah. Flex. I just wanna win. Yeah. LA BB, who we running with? Yeah. Two, two, three, three. I'm on 10, 10, 10. Yeah.